um, to come before you all this evening, and I do not take that lightly. Um, the message that the Lord's laid on my heart here tonight is actually something he did in my heart while I was on tour um, this past fall, and uh, as I've just been meditating and praying about tonight, um, this truth came back to me. And so we're going to look at, really what we're going to look at tonight is the three responses to truth. And um, whenever truth is presented to us, we have a choice to make. And I'm going to show you three different responses we can have to that. How many of you would, by raise of hand, uh, would say, you know, maybe for the last, I don't know, we're just going to pick a random five years, I've been... For the most part, I've been semi-faithful to church pretty much every, you know, Sunday. We'll go with every Sunday pretty much the last five years or so. Okay, like, I, I'm not saying you made every service. I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a point here in general. Okay, maybe the last couple of years you've, you've made a Sunday a priority coming to church. And, uh, well, that's a lot of services if you do the math, isn't it? <clears throat> if you do the math, you'll find, obviously, 52 weeks in a year. Okay, two services on Sunday, one on Wednesday. Okay, we got revival meetings, we got different special services. We're constantly, what, I want, what, I'm, what I'm trying to make the point here is that we're constantly inundated with, with truth. And uh, those of us who are regularly spending time in, our, in the Bible um, as part of our daily devotions, right, we're also gleaning truth at that time as well. And uh, something that I've been shocked with is um, how often we, we are presented with truth and... Uh, it doesn't change us. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. There are three responses to truth. We're going to find three different groups of people in this passage, and each one has a different response to truth. We're in Mark chapter number two. We're going to look at verse number one. The Bible says this, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway there were many gathered together, and so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. We're going to look at the first group here. The first group has the response of callousness. Okay? Or maybe we could say uh, response of indifference. Look at verse number four. The Bible says, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press. Okay, that word press, that's another word for crowd. Okay, so the first group of individuals, I want you to see this, is, is the crowd. They were callous to truth. It's like this, okay? Jesus comes to town, right? Jesus comes to town. Word gets out. Jesus is here. Oh, wow. Imagine if Jesus was alive here today. How many of you would be like, oh, I want to go see Jesus? Yeah, pretty much everybody, okay? So the Bible doesn't tell us how many people are here. The Bible doesn't tell us, you know, how far word spread. But here's Jesus. He's, he's, he's here in Capernaum. And uh, the Bible does say that the house that he's in is packed full of individuals. Okay, but my, my thing is this, and we're going to get to this in a second. Um, there's a lot of people there at this house. And uh, if you know this story, like I said, we're going to get to it in a second. Only one individual leaves changed. And um, it just, it, it, it makes me think, you know, why were those individuals there? You know, were they, were they just there to maybe have an experience? Maybe they were curious. Maybe they, maybe, you know, there was a couple little kids that were dragged along by their parents, and so they're there, and, and they're not expecting much. I don't know about you, but I have needs in my life. And I feel like, well, hey, if, if, if Jesus was in town, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'd share those with him. Maybe I'd try to see if he could help me out in that regard. And, and maybe you're there, and, and, and you're thinking the same thing. 
But we really only see, the Bible only gives us one that was changed. And again, I don't want to read into it too far, but I just want you to be thinking that way. You know, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of similar, similar though, to us. You know, we're, we're constantly inundated with truth. Um, like I said, if we're, if we're faithful in church, if we're, you know, semi-faithful in our devotions, we're, we're constantly presented with truth. And, and every single time truth is presented, God wants to do something in our lives. He wants to change us. But so often we come to church, so often we come to Sunday school, so often we, we, we open our Bibles and we, 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 again, I don't know maybe why we open our Bibles, you know, our devotions, when we're having our devotions at home, but we open our Bibles and, and we leave that devotion time and we're not changed. And, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because we're callous. It's because we're indifferent. We don't, we don't maybe view spiritual things like we need to. We don't view it as real. See, see your God, if, if you leave... Uh, 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 an experience with truth. And by that, what I mean is, is you're spending time in your Bible, reading your devotions, or you, you leave a service and, and you're clueless, clueless of what went on, right? You're indifferent. You've missed out on, on an opportunity for God to change you. Now listen, I'm not trying to say God, you know, God's going to always break your heart and he's gonna, you know, you're going to walk an altar and you're going to be crying and it's going to be a big scene. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God wants to change you because nobody's perfect, right? And... Um, the first response that we see in this passage is we see this group of individuals that are, in a sense, they're, they're indifferent to what's going on here. And uh, like I said, so many times we find ourselves in a similar situation where we come to church and we, we're inundated with it, but we don't leave changed. And like I said, it's because God isn't truly real to us. You know, an indifferent Christian is a lukewarm, is a lukewarm Christian. The Bible talks about lukewarm Christians in Revelations chapter number 3. Let's just turn there real quickly. Revelations chapter number 3 and verse number 14. We have the letters to the church being written here. And um, this is the letter that's written to the Laodicean church. In verse number 14, the Bible says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold or hot. So then, the, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't have a lot of time to go into it, but the city of Laodicea was... Um, it was kind of sandwiched in between two other cities, and one was known for its cold water source. It's cold water springs. It's fresh water springs. And uh, the other city was known for its hot water springs. All right? That's just the, the, the way the geography was. One had these, uh, you know, these awesome spas and these hot water baths, and the other one had this fresh, cold, crystal cool water. And they were known by that. That was actually something that they were known by. And so it's interesting that um, that... that, that the Bible uses that analogy for the church of Laodicea because they're sandwiched right in between them. And what he's saying is, is, I would rather that you would be a cold glass of water, right, a refreshing glass of water, or, or maybe even a hot, right? How many of you like hot tea, right, or hot coffee? Yeah, both, both are good, right? It's not that one's good and one's bad. It's, I, I would rather you, that you would be one of these two, but, but you're not, right? You're lukewarm. And uh, a lukewarm Christian to God is one that's, that's indifferent, that doesn't care, that's not, that's not being changed. That's a lukewarm Christian. Let me ask you, when was the last time? When was the last time you were broken over your sin, where you were maybe presented with the truth? Maybe it was in a service. Maybe, maybe it wasn't in a service. Maybe it was in your home, and you broke down because God showed you something in your life. 
and you realize, hey, this is truth, and I need a change. Has it been a while since, you've, since maybe you've literally physically broke down to where you saw yourself for who you were? And you said, hey, no, this is, this is me. This is who I am. And you allowed truth to do a work in your life. You see, a callus, what is a callus? A callus is literally layers of skin that's built up. And uh, the word of God, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's going to pierce, it's going to seek to divide asunder. But the thing is, is if we have calluses up, if we've allowed things in our lives that's maybe, maybe it's sin, maybe it's, um, maybe it's a distraction, whatever it is that, that's blocking um, God's working in our life, we're not going to be changed. And so this first group of individuals, what we see here is we see that they're callous. We see that, that they don't leave change. They're there, they're presented with truth, right? They're hearing it. But they're not the individuals that leave change. Let me ask you just a couple of questions here. Why do you come to church? Right? I, I asked in the outreach Sunday, I asked, why do we go out soul winning? Right? What's the purpose? Why, why would I make the decision out of you know, my day or out to take the time out of my week to go out soul winning? Why would I take the time of my, out of my day or out of my week to come to church? Why would I do that? Why would I take time out of my day to spend time in my devotions? What's the point there? And what I want us to see is the fact is, is it matters because God wants to do something in your life. He wants to change you. He wants you to see truth, and he wants it to set you free. And so many of us are bound by it. So many of, our, uh, of us are bound by our sin. We're bound by maybe distractions and different trials and, and temptations in our life, but we're not allowing the truth of God's word to change us. You see, maybe it's just an exercise. Maybe it's just a practice that we do well because that's how I was brought up, and that's what my mom and dad told me to do, so I do it. No, God wants to do something in your life. So let me ask you, are you callous to truth? Are you finding yourself not being changed? Let's look at the second group of individuals. The second group of individuals, begin reading in verse number 5. The Bible says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason, ye, why reason ye these things in your heart? Second group of individuals, the Pharisees here in this passage, they're critical, right? They're, they're criticizing Jesus. They're, they're arguing with Jesus in a certain sense, right? They're, they're in opposition to what Jesus is doing, right? They're almost seeking right to resist him and to stop him from what he's doing. Have you ever argued with God? When, when the Holy Spirit has touched, has placed his finger and touched your heart and said, hey, this is an area that you need to grow in, or hey, this is a sin in your life that's, that's tripping you up, that you're falling to, and I can give you victory, and he puts his finger on your heart, do you argue with him? Do you say, no, that, that's not me. No, I'm not that bad, right? Are you, are you arguing with the Holy Spirit? Why do we argue with the Holy Spirit? I, I think there could be maybe a couple of different answers, and, and um, I think one would maybe just be pride, you know, the, the fact of getting something right. You know, maybe that's humiliating, and we have to see ourselves for who we are, and, and I get that. But, but you know, sometimes it's, it's because we like our sin that we argue with God. And when God puts his finger on our heart and he says, hey, you need to change this. Hey, this is not right. This is something that you need to change. We say, no, God, it's not that bad. And you know what we're doing? We're basically calling God a liar when we do that. We're basically saying, no, God, you don't know what's true. I know what's true. 
And it's not that bad. And you know what, God? No, I'm going to resist. No, God, I, it's not. Just stop. And what we do is we, we silence the Holy Spirit's working in our life. You see, it's not, that, it's not that we're callous. It's not that we're indifferent to truth. It's that we actually see truth and we refuse to believe it. And see, that's the Pharisees in this passage. You know, we give them a hard time, and honestly, maybe rightfully so, with the, in the Bible, you know, they're constantly attacking Jesus and trying to stop him, and they're resisting, and where is Jesus, and let's go, make, let's go trip him up, and they're, they're trying to get him, right? The whole time. And here we find them, and they're arguing, they're being critical of what Jesus is doing. So my question is, is why would God care to convict us? Right? How many of you would say, I love confrontation? I just... Man, I just give it a big hug. I love confrontation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> None of you raise your hands. That's funny. Um, I, 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 would, I would say I don't really like confrontation that much either. But, um, but, but why would God care so much to convict us, right? Why would he care so much? You know, sometimes we have this picture of God. Well, God's just controlling Right? God just wants me to follow this list of do's and don'ts. He wants me to come to church. He wants me to tithe. He wants me to obey my parents and to, and to witness. And he wants me to read my Bible. He wants me to do this, this, and this, and this. And if I do this, what? He's happy with me. And, and I want to tell you, that's, that's not how God operates. You see, God loves you so much, and there's nothing you could ever do to make him love you anymore because he loves you with a perfect love. When, when God died on the cross, he paid for your worst sin that you're going to ever commit. It's already been paid for. He loves you so much. And uh, the creator of the universe wants to be your friend. See, that's, that's the truth. He wants to be your friend. And the Bible says in, in 1 John uh, chapter number 1, and uh, if, you're, if you have your Bibles and you're, you're there, turn real quickly. 1 John chapter number 1. You see, God cannot have the fellowship that he desires so deeply to have if we have sin in our life. Initially, obviously, in the, in the beginning, when he created Adam and Eve, there was perfect unity. There was perfect fellowship. And what separated that? Right? That was sin. The Bible says in 1 John chapter number 1, verse number, verse number 5, the Bible says this. <clears throat> this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with God, with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You see, God can't have fellowship with darkness. He can't have fellowship with, with, with sin, right? So what did he do at salvation? He changed our, our, he literally changed our spiritual nature so that he could have fellowship with us. But when we choose to sin, when we choose to make choices, when we're, when we're presented with a temptation, we're presented with something, and, and with, with a sin, we, when we choose to sin, we're, we're literally saying, God, I'm going to put a wall up. I'm going to put a wall up in our relationship. And so why does God care to convict us? Because he loves us, and he wants to be your friend, and he wants to free you. That's his desire. And again, sometimes we have this view of God that's just not right. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse number 4, it talks about how it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. When we think of a verse like that, maybe it, maybe it is confusing. Maybe it's... Maybe it doesn't make sense, and it's because maybe we have a wrong view of God. And the fact is, is God loves us so much, and that's what motivates him, right, to come after us and to convict us of our sin. Listen, I don't, I don't know what you're dealing with tonight. I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe there's a law on your heart, okay? Maybe, maybe there's a sin struggle that you've been finding yourself falling, temptation, falling to, and uh, I'm telling you tonight, God wants to free you from that. And if he convicts you of that, it's because he wants to set you free. It's not because he wants you to fall into this list of rules of do's and don'ts. 
because he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Some of you are going to walk away tonight and you may, from our first point, you may think, well, you know, that was interesting. I forget what he preached on. And it's not about me, understand. But, but you may leave here and, and you may be indifferent and you may just say, well, okay, that was interesting. And you go about your day and, 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 and you'd be callous to maybe what God wants to do in your life. But maybe some of you would walk away and you would say, listen, you know, we've, and we had a service this morning and maybe God's doing something in your heart and you're going to walk away being argumentative or critical to the Holy Spirit and you're going to be stiff-arming him as you walk away. When all God wants to do is, is free you, all he wants to do is wrap his arms of love around you. Amen. Don't steer from the Holy Spirit tonight. Let's look at the, the third and the final uh, group of individuals in the story. The third and final group of individuals in the story is found in verse number, uh, let's go back, I'm sorry, I'm not in, here we go. Mark chapter 2 and uh, verse number 3, the Bible says, And they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Okay, so we have these four individuals. Okay, we have these four individuals. And uh, the word that I'm going to use to describe them is that they were convinced. They're convinced of what? They were convinced that Jesus could do something about their, about their friend, this individual here who is sick. And I think that that implies that they, saw, they first saw a need. They first saw that this individual was sick. But they were convinced that Jesus could do something about it. Think about it. I don't, I don't know where they live. The Bible doesn't tell us. They, they probably were in the same city, but it doesn't indicate. But it's possible that maybe they walked for miles. Maybe, maybe they were a couple towns over. The Bible doesn't indicate. But think about all that they had to go through to get this individual to Jesus. Right? So here they are. They, they come to the house, and uh, they, get, they get close, and they realize, man, there's people out the door people kind of huddling around, and they realize, wow, there's a lot of people here. And so they walk up to the door, and they try to maybe, there's four of them, so they're trying to carry, they get up to the, to the door, and they realize there's not going to be a clear way, and so maybe they ask people to move, and they won't, right? The, the people won't move. They won't let them in the door. Okay, so, so here they are, and, and they decide to go, oh, hey, maybe there's a door around back. Maybe there's a window, Right? So, they, so they start searching around the house, and maybe they go around back, and they, they realize, oh, hey, there's a window right here. Let's try to fit him through. Okay, so, so here they are. They're, they're trying to fit him through, and, and there, maybe there's somebody staying there, and you know, it hits them in the head. And they're like, oh, okay, this isn't going to work. There's too many people here. And, and many times you know, we find ourselves in our lives, and we, maybe we're, we're presented with a difficult task. We're presented with something that we just maybe it feels uncomfortable. Maybe, maybe we think we'll be embarrassed if we undertake this task, and, and we give up. When God's trying to do something in our lives, he wants us to be convinced of truth. These individuals didn't give up. What did they do? They realized, oh, we could go up top. Like, like who's going to think of that, right? But here they are. And uh, back then, I, the, the roofs were made differently. They were, you know, clay tiles that you could actually pick up and move around. And a lot different than our roofs, obviously, today. But there they go. They go up to the roof. And they start taking apart this guy's roof. The Bible doesn't tell us. They probably didn't know who this guy was. Who, who the owner of the house was. Okay, so they're, they're up there taking apart this guy's roof. And it just baffles my mind when I think of all that they went through. I mean, they probably had to pay for the damage of that roof. I don't know how much that cost. It didn't matter. Because they were convinced that if we can just get this person to Jesus, Jesus can fix him. That's it. That's all that mattered to them. And I know sometimes in our lives when, when we're presented with maybe... Again, maybe it's a difficulty in our lives, and we, we just think, man, it's just going to be too hard. 
Are you convinced of truth? Are you convinced that God can change you, that he can free you? Because, see, that's the struggle. That's the lie that the devil is going to feed us. He's going to feed us his lie that, oh, listen, it's going to be so much worse if you get this right. Oh, it's going to be so much worse if you try to go through this and take this step for God. It's going to be so much worse. And the devil tries to feed us that lie to get us discouraged, to get us off the grounds of faith, to get us unconvinced of what Jesus wants to do in our lives. And I'm burdened because I, I feel like this, this, obviously this applies to our spiritual life. This obviously applies to, you know, maybe the things, the different encounters that we have, the trials and stuff on, on just a daily basis. But, but really what I'm, what I'm more burdened about really tonight is I'm burdened about souls. And, and, and I want to ask you this question. Are you convinced that Jesus can do something in their life? I mean, here in this passage, we literally have four individuals that are bringing this individual who's sick to Jesus. And they went through all of that. And um, they did it because they were convinced that Jesus, would, that Jesus would do something. So let me ask you, do you recognize the needs around you? Do you recognize your unsaved family members? Do you recognize your unsaved co-workers? Do you recognize your unsaved neighbors? Those you have interactions with constantly, do you recognize that? Are you convinced that Jesus can do something? You know, it's not about you. It's not about... It's not about those four individuals, right? I, I'm, I'm emphasizing them as one of the groups who had faith, but it's not about them, right? It's about Jesus. And they, they believe that Jesus could do something about their, in, about their friend, this individual here. And it's because of Jesus and his power that they went through what they went through to get this individual to Jesus. But it's no different in our lives, right? God wants to do that. He wants to use you to bring people to Jesus. That's what he wants to do. And my question to you tonight is, are you going to be convinced that God can use you? Some of you will sit there and say, listen, I've, I've never so much as even, you know, been convicted or thought maybe I needed to witness or maybe I've, just, I've never done it before. Or maybe you say, I have maybe a physical limitation or maybe I have, you know, I don't have time in my schedule or I don't know what I would say or I don't know what maybe the excuse that you have. And honestly, listen, I think we all have excuses at different times, you know. In, in specific situations, and we, a lot of times we do reject the, the Holy Spirit's convincing or um, um, convicting in our hearts to give the gospel. But, but what I want you to see here is, is it doesn't matter because God, God wants to use you. And there's ways that he will do that if you will be convinced that he can, if you will trust him and obey. Listen, those four individuals, it, it wasn't much that they had to physically do. They had to bring that individual to Jesus, but they worked together. There was four of them. It wasn't one. It was four. And many times God uses you to plant a seed and another to water and another to bring the increase. And I want to give you, in a sense, I want to give you maybe just a burden and a vision to say, God, would you use me? God, I don't, I don't recognize maybe how I can be used or maybe, God, I'm fearful. Maybe I have these challenges, but God, I want to be used. Now, if you say practically speaking, we have a bunch of different opportunities here at Victory that we want to help you out with. We have different opportunities for you to maybe, maybe say, listen, I, I just physically I can't walk, and I understand some of you are in that category, but listen, we have, we have a prayer list you can pray through. right? We have labels you can put on, on things. right? We have, we have things for everybody. And, and I want you to recognize that, that God wants to use you, but all it takes is for you to say, listen, God, I'm going to be convinced that you can. I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to obey you. See, faith, the Bible says in James, I believe it's one or two, the Bible says faith without works is dead, being alone, right? And so, and so a decision of faith requires obedience to prove it. You see, you could sit there and say, hey, 
I believe God wants to use me, or I believe, you know, winning souls is a good thing, and I believe going out zoning, well, I believe in that. But the action step is what's going to take to prove that. And um, listen, I know God's doing a work. This is something that's God's, that God's been working in. I know Pastor's heart and, and in my heart, too, just on the aspects of soul winning. But God wants to do so much more with, in and through Victory Baptist Church. And I understand there's nothing wrong with, you know, having fellowships. and There's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, the ice cream social coming up. That's awesome. Th- these aren't wrong things. But I'm telling you, if, if Victory Baptist Church is going to move forward, it's not going to be at, at the exclusion of soul winning. In fact, that's, that's going to probably be at its core. And I'm burdened that, that we understand that this is a necessity as a church. But it's going to take us coming to that convincement that, hey, we need to see God do something. We need to be desperate. We need to be broken. Again, I, we don't know all the, the, the background in the story and where these guys came from. Maybe they traveled for days. I don't know. It didn't matter. They were going to get this individual to Jesus. And so I don't know where maybe you find yourself. Maybe tonight, maybe you say, listen, I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm indifferent to truth. I'm indifferent to maybe, you know, soul It's never really crossed my mind. Or maybe say, listen, there's been times where I've just, I've just resisted. And that's more of my struggle. And my admonition, my, my, my desire for you tonight is that you would say, God, I want to be convinced. God, would you help me take this step of faith? And would you help me um, bring people to Jesus? That's something God wants to do in your life. Let's have our heads bowed, our eyes closed. And maybe you're, maybe you're sitting here tonight and... Um, you know, maybe your heart cry is to be convinced. Maybe your heart cry is that, hey, God, I want you to use me. I want to be an individual that, that can help bring, maybe it's your family member, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's your neighbor, okay? But to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you say, listen, I, I want to be that. <laughs> I want to be used. It's, it's a, really a desire of my heart. If that's you and you say, I, I want to be used in any, way, shape, in any way, shape, or form, but you have that desire, would you raise your hand? I want to just pray for you. Amen. Yeah, that, that's, that's most of you. And um, it starts with that. It starts with having a desire, right? It starts with having a burden that says, God, I want to be used. Okay. And maybe you say, listen, just as, as you were preaching, you know, God, show me in my heart that sometimes I'm just, I'm callous to truth. Or maybe, maybe in this, this regard specifically, I'm, I'm callous towards it. I, I don't see the necessity for it. And maybe that's you and you say, listen, I, I struggle with being callous. Would you raise your hand? I want to, I want to pray for you as well. Maybe you say, it wasn't so much the callousness that, that I struggle with, but maybe it's, I'm critical. I'm, I'm argumentative with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit puts his finger on my heart, I tend to fight it. I tend to minimize it. I tend to, to, to justify why I do what I do, and, and I struggle with that. And I, I just, I'm going to raise my hand as, you know, to say, hey, I, I need help in that area. God, would you help me? That's you here tonight. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Amen. Let's pray, Lord. I just want to thank you for what you've done and the truth of your word and, God, how much you do love us and you want to use us. Lord, I pray that we would see that, God, that we would see that, that we are the tools in this day and age to see other individuals brought to you, Lord, and that we would understand that, God, in a broader sense, you want us to, to see truth and to obey it and to be convinced of it. Lord, I pray that you would do your work in our hearts tonight. And uh, your name I pray this all. Amen. Let's keep our heads bowed and eyes closed. The Bible says <clears throat> we're going to have Lord's Supper here. Let a man examine himself. I want to give you opportunity to talk to the Lord about what God spoke to you about right now. And I also want to give you opportunity 
to make sure that there's nothing in your life that would hinder God from um, working. Uh, we don't want to take the Lord's Supper lightly. Jesus died and provided all we need to be right with him. When someone asked the piano to play, stands of a hymn, pianist, as the piano's playing, let's, let's do business with God. Sometimes we think we've got our, <clears throat> our whole life ahead of us. Well, Steve Brown this morning was telling us about a friend of his, 54. Went into the doctor's office, had a heart attack, and died. <clears throat> None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. By the way, our unsaved loved ones and friends and neighbors aren't guaranteed tomorrow either. God's showing you some sin. <clears throat> Let's do business with Him. We want to be right with Him. Appropriate His forgiveness. <clears throat> I was going to play another stanza. Ask our deacons to come as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Ask Brother Steve if yeah, you'd help us as well. Amen. You may look this way. I appreciate your attention to the word. Thank you, Stephen.